Blog Talk Radio. everyone, and welcome to Grassroots Holistic Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Baba Tahuti Wesley Gray, speaking to you live from New York City, Tuesday evening, the 3rd of June, 2014. Again, it's a pleasure to have you join us this evening. This evening is going to prove to be a very exciting show. Uh, we have a guest uh, that's going to be able to share with us some very unique information regarding the African drum. And as always, though, before I begin and continue, uh, let us pay homage to the one most high God, our ancestors, uh, my family, my dear wife, my mother, my siblings, my daughter and her family, and all of you throughout the cyber world and the social network community, family and friends, I say to you, Alafia, peace and love, Hotep Etepu. Again, it's a pleasure to have you with us this evening. I'm appreciative and I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend your evening with us. We have a guest, a good friend of mine that I've known for over 50 years, um, a brother by the name of Barbara Bradley Simmons. And a very unusual brother in that he has dedicated his life to the, to the African drum to the rhythms of African, of Mother Africa, and has been steadfast in that journey, as it were, to the point that he is a professor, he is a griot, um, a, a masterful uh, performer, and just to share with you a little bit about his, his, um, his journey, Bradley Simmons is a native of New York City, and he began playing Afro-Cuban and African percussion when he was nine years of age. And from that point on and through his teenage years, he traveled throughout the city seeking out percussion teachers from Haiti, Cuba, Africa, and other parts of the world in the African diaspora, basically in an effort to enhance his understanding of these rhythmic forms, styles, and techniques. Also, Bradley soon became a consistent and sought-after congero, a shaker player, and was sought out by various communities throughout the village of uh, those of African descent and beyond. He performed at religious events, including weekend-long bimbes and weddings and many other cultural events. 
Bradley not only developed as a percussionist, but he became a knowledgeable um, and somewhat of a knowledge base for that which preceded him by transferring the knowledge through the African uh, and Afro-Cuban and African oral tradition, commonly known as the griot. And throughout these development stages, Bradley sought out Afro-Cuban and African percussion in its truest form, never deviating from the traditional ways in which the rhythms and instruments are presented and played. And this basic tenet flows through his work even today. Braddy was soon very busy doing work on Broadway, on Broadway, I add you, not off-Broadway, but on Broadway plays, including Timbuktu with Eartha Kitt and Melba Moore, Billy Wilson's version of Guys and Dolls starring Robert, Robert Jolomi and Reggae and Calvin Lockhart and Philip Michael Thomas. Bradley also performed in the following plays off-Broadway, uh, Nightclub Confidential, Burnett Carroll's Never Jam Today, and the ups and downs of the Fofolius Manilart. Bradley has also performed in nightclubs with Eartha Kitt, Gregory and Maurice Hines, Miles J., and Oba Babatuni. He has recorded and played with the Fatback Band with drummer Norman Connors. And Bradley has also appeared on television, including the Mike Douglas Show and the Cerebral Palsy Therathon, Telethon. In 1990 and 1996, Bradley directed his own show at the National Black Arts Festival in Atlanta and Durham, North Carolina, respectively called Cultural Journey, the Elements of percussion. Bradley is the former music director of the Chuck Davis African American Dance Ensemble of Durham, North Carolina, and, and has taught throughout the United States, including the Larocque Bay School of Dance and the Gloria Jackson School of Dance in New York City. He has taught percussion classes and drum clinics at universities such as the Berkeley School of Music, Boston MA, Texas Southern, Houston, Texas. Wichita State University, Wichita, Kansas, and North Carolina State University, Raleigh, North Carolina. And currently, Bradley is a musical director at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, where he teaches West African music and history. His classes focus on djembe, songba, junjun, and kinkani. He also teaches Afro-Cuban percussion classes off campus, and he is a leader of the percussion ensemble elements of percussion that tours locally and nationally. Well, without any further ado, at this point, I'd like to indeed uh, invite our brother, uh, Professor Baba Bradley Simmons, to uh, speak with us and share his uh, wisdom and his his journey. Uh, brother Bad Bradley, are you with us? Yes, sir. How you doing, Baba? I'm doing quite well, thank you. It's a pleasure to hear your voice. Yes, sir, man. How's things going up here in New York? Uh, well, you know, things are very nice right now, very comfortable and, and pleasant. As a matter of yeah, fact, yeah. Uh, you know, we just got finished having a little uh, period of rain that came upon us. and uh, But it's, oh, yeah. uh, my wife and I both love rain, and, of course, it's appropriate, you know, going into spring and going into summer to have the flowers and, and the, you know the vegetation to receive the nurturement, if you will. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. How yeah, how things just, on your we way? We just got what we just finished. What we just finished getting. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, great, we just have great. a big rainfall down here, so now you're getting it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes indeed. Well, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm really happy that you were able to uh, to to join us this evening, and and uh, I'm looking forward to this evening's show to be the beginning of of other shows that we will be, you know, able to get together and share uh, your experiences with, with, with myself and my wife and, uh, and, and the listening audience throughout the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to start off with is just for you to explain with, to us um, how you got started uh, with playing the drum and, and, you know, I know you started here in New York City, am I correct? That's correct in uh, Jamaica Queens. Okay, uh, are you yeah. are you from, were you born here in New York? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, uh, born in Brooklyn, uh, raised between Brooklyn and Queens, um, and uh, we actually moved to uh, Queens in uh, 1954. My parents. And I actually got started. You 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 probably will not believe this. And I tell a lot of people this, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I actually started out as, as a tap dancer first. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that did take yeah. me by surprise. Yeah, yeah, tap dancer was the number one. Uh, and then the year a year later is when I got into drumming. But I actually did both. Uh, drumming and tap dancing up for for at least the first 10 years. And then I hung up the shoes and just kept the hands going. All right. Well, indeed, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the drumming uh, that was, you know, incorporated in our rituals when we were originally living in Africa and, hadn't been taken out of Africa to this land of um, of the Americas. When we came here and they took the drum away from us, we started dancing as a way of substituting not having the drum. Am I correct? Dancing and hand clapping. And hand clapping. And, 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 yeah. and also slapping our thighs, which was commonly known back then as hand bones. It's a hand bone. It's correct. That's right. Oh, That's right. yes, and indeed. Then, and then uh, the other side of that is that we had, we actually, uh, we created a drum that, and, uh, that was camouflaged, known today as, they, they uh, is known as the cajon, which is uh, the drum is made out of a box, a wooden box. Right. So, you know, when the drum became outlawed, uh, they just started taking some wooden boxes and started playing on the boxes, okay? <clears throat> so, which, which is now uh, a very big thing in, for sure, in Cuba. And uh, and uh, where, I forgot where Alice Acuna is from, but they play the cajon uh, a lot in his, in his country as well, okay? <clears throat> uh, so, so it's the cajon that that was actually the substitute of the actual drum itself. Okay, the cajon. How do you spell that? Uh, C-A-J-O-N, cajon. Okay, great. Yeah, I'd like to take a moment to, uh, 
my wife just walked into the studio. I'd like to introduce you to her. Um, mm-hmm. And she's she's um, just passing through it at the moment. But, honey, I'd like you to meet Bradley. This is my wife, Dora. Alafia, how are you? I'm good, Michelle. How you been? I'm wonderful. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, same here. Good to meet you, too, as well. Yeah, my wife also plays drums, but she's also a, a former uh, music teacher uh, of uh-huh. a few instruments, including guitar, violin, piano. So it's a very special oh, occasion for us to have you as a guest uh, to speak with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. So she's pretty much classical. Yes, um, I'm a classical violinist and pianist. Uh-huh, okay, okay. So, so uh, yeah. as, a pianist, as a pianist, you're also a percussionist, too. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. I have a yeah, djembe the... drum, which I use for ritual. Right, right. But the piano is also labeled as a percussion instrument, so that makes you one of us anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, uh-huh. so, uh, yeah I'm, I'm just, you know, excited about the prospects of, of us being on the show with you. And thank you, honey. It's a pleasure to have you join us. Well, thank you, and Barbara Simmons enjoys the show. so nice to meet you. Well, thank you. Um, nice meeting you. Yeah, so as I was saying, uh, my wife, you know, she and I, she she's the apple of my heart, and especially when I met her, one of the first things that drew me to her was uh, the music, you know, that we shared, the, the love of music that mm-hmm. we shared. And I think that's something that uh, many of our uh, families are, are missing, as it were, because, yeah. because of the fact that the music that has permeated, if it's not from the church, you know, gospel music, or from any type of spiritual or religious order that honors God, honors, you know, the sacredness of life, our ancestors, mm-hmm. then we're dealing with lower self-oriented music. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, our family has, you have a, it's enough of a problem to to maintain a relationship and grow with each other and to help each other to in our journey in life. But when you have um, the influence of an element such as music that's not dealing with higher consciousness and higher self, that can be a big task. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where what you do is just so important, brother. Oh, yeah, we have to keep this alive, man. It's, you can't let this die at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Chief Bay, one of my teachers, told told everybody, he actually told all the drummers, he said, never let the drum die at all because it's, it's the essential part of uh, of the black man and the, and the black community. We have to keep this drum going. And that's why he said that he would teach anybody, black, white, green, yellow, doesn't matter. He would teach anybody. Absolutely. And and that's something mm-hmm. that you do. You you teach people of all ethnicities at um, at Duke University. Am I correct? That's correct, yeah. I gave them from all over the world. I have students from India, China, Japan. Uh, I have one student from Colombia. I even get some of them from Africa. As a matter of fact, I got a student from Nigeria coming in uh, next semester. 
Oh, that's wonderful. You know, um, yes, I'm going to ask you a question, but before I, I do that, I just want to uh, act, acknowledge the guests who are in the chat room and those of you who have called in. If you have any comments, any questions that you'd like me to share with, uh, with Brad on, in the chat room, please feel free to, to type that out. And, of course, those of you who are calling in, uh, please press the number one button and uh, on your phone, and that would indicate to me that you would like to speak uh, with, uh, with our guest, with Brother Brad. Um, with that being said, I have a question, uh, and that is you mentioned Brother Sheath Bay, the, the renowned uh-huh. African drummer. I think the audience will find it interesting what you shared with me uh, a few evenings ago that um, his teacher happened to have been a woman. Could you share with, with the listening audience that unique uh, aspect of how he received his first training? Yeah, his teacher, her name was Issa Mae Andrews. She was one of the first African-American women to play drums here in this country. And she had a dance company, and Chief Bay was one of her dancers first. And mm. uh, but what what uh, what a lot of you know what the other thing that Chief that a lot of people don't know about Chief Bay he he was an opera singer. Oh wow! And oh yeah, he was a classical opera singer first, and he always wanted to sing in the Met Opera House. Okay, so he went and auditioned for the Met Opera House, and at that time, and this was like back in the 40s, uh, he went to this audition over at Lincoln Center, and the director put all the singers behind a screen. So when I, and when he told us that story, I said, well, okay, Chief, well, what was that all about? He said the purpose of the guy putting everybody behind a screen that whoever he picks, it would be picked not by, you know, they didn't want to take, they didn't want to be picked in terms of discrimination or anything like that. So mm-hmm. he just, it was just going by voice. Whatever voice that he heard that he liked, that's who, yeah. they, who they wanted. But then when, you know, after the, at the end of the, um, uh, the, the audition, when the, when the, the uh, director said who was the bass singer and he stepped from behind the scrim, and when he saw that, he was black. They said you got the right voice, but you was the wrong color. Oh wow! So it came. So at that time, he said, "Okay, well, let me go somewhere where color does not matter." And that's when he went back to Ismay's company and he started dancing. Went back to dance with her and started taking drum lessons from her. And that's actually how he got started as a drummer. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that's his story. And um, I said, whoa, gee, that was kind of deep, you know. <laughs> uh, and then from there, you know, he went on from there. He still, you know, kept singing because he ended up in the original cast of Porgy and Bess. Uh, mm. William Walfield, Cab Calloway, and Leontine Price. Mm-hmm. And our very own um, Maya Angelou. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah, she was in that cast as well. They were all in that cast. I didn't know she was in the original cast. So yeah. she oh, really yeah. has she a, a quite a bit of history. Yes, yeah, she was also in in the movie as well. 
Okay, yeah, I saw the movie, and uh, I need to go into the archives, and 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 um, I was probably going to be on YouTube, and and really, you know, capture that that period of her acting in that. Yeah, yeah, well, she was one of the dancers in the movie. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In the play, I think she was one of the singers and actors in there. Yeah, that's a, a very special uh, sister. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah. So you know that's how. So Chipe, um he he made sure that all his students was well diverse as a drummer uh, in all the uh, Afro diaspora uh, percussion instruments, such as the shaker. Now he was. He was the grand master of the shakeway, and his his drum was the ashiko drum. So when he was teaching everybody, he made sure that we learned it all. Hmm. So is that in the reason that you became a shakeway player also? And does that have a great influence upon you? Well, he was one of them between him and Ishangi. Ishangi was the other one. Okay. So actually, I had three uh, shakeway teachers: Chief Bay. Ishangi and Oluka Shewal. Uh huh. Those were my three uh, Shaker Ray teachers because each one of them had different styles of playing the Shaker Ray. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all three was unique. Well, you know, right now it seems as if we're in a very unique period in terms of the history of, of us as people of African descent, as Africans uh, throughout the diaspora where uh, we have a, a president uh, whose father was born in Africa, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Kenya, and uh, who's married to a woman whose, I think, great-grandfather was a slave. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I uh, developed this. Uh, I have a website uh, called drumsofchange.com, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I performed at Obama's inauguration in 2008, not to celebrate just his being inaugurated, but more importantly, to honor the ancestors um, who were slaves uh, and were made to uh, use their blood, sweat, and tears to make this country what it is in, in terms of the, the labor, the free labor. And then also mm-hmm. that they built Washington, D.C., including the White House. So um, I just wanted to share that with you and the listening audience that um, you were an influence upon me uh, when I met you some 50-plus years ago. Uh, right. To become an African drummer. I was a uh, Latin drummer at the time. I was playing congas. And, right. Uh-huh. And, then, and I also played piano. I was with a Latin jazz band playing uh, Latin piano. But um, I think that we, the time has come, myself at 70 years of age and as an elder that, you know, my, my days, each day that I wake up, I know is a gift. And I think it behooves me to do what I'm doing, such as having this show, having you share the history of, of, uh, of African drumming and, mm-hmm. and your journey so that we can have something to share with the listening audience that they can share, uh, most importantly, with the children. With the young, yes. uh, with the youngsters in our community, so that we can seize this moment, and the word Sankofa comes to mind, you know, to go mm-hmm. back from where we came. Yeah, yeah. Now the um, 
you got to remember how far this goes back. We we can take this back to 1929. Mm-hmm. When Asadada IV came to the United States, okay, he was one of the first ones to actually bring African dance and drumming to this country. Okay. And he, he, fought, he formed a company, and the dancers that he had in his company was... Um, What's the woman's name that was on Good Times? Esther uh, Rose. Rose. That's right. And her sister mm-hmm. was in his company. And a guy by the name of Andy Torres, who was one of the dancers in Guys and Dolls with us, uh, was in that company. The drummers was, again, Asadada de Fora, Moses Nianes, uh from there we had uh then Chief Bay came later on, uh Baba Femi, Tawo Duval, uh and a few others that I can't think of right now off the top. But the drum that they were playing back then that started African dancing and drumming was the Ashiko drum. Ah, uh-huh. Okay. The conga drum came much later in terms of African dancing and drumming. But the Ashiko was the number one drum, which is the same drum that Issa Andrews was playing when she was teaching Chief Bay how to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from there, then different other different companies started to develop, and after Amsterdam IV and his company came around, then Nana Zulu's company came up, okay? And, and we're talking like 45, 50 a year. That's, so drumming has been here, you know, longer than what most people think. What has not been here that long is the drum that everybody around the world is playing, known as the djembe. Uh-huh. The djembe came much later, like almost 30, 20 to 30 years later. Okay? In between the ashiko and the djembe, that's where the conga drum kicked in. Okay? Then the djembe came in 1959 when the late Ballet African came to the United States and performed at the Apollo Theater. Okay. The drummers then were Laji Kamada, uh, Adafan Torre, Fatuba Olori, and Duku Fana were the, the drummers then for the late Ballet African. Laji stayed in this country. That's how the, we got wind of the Jimbe because he stayed. Chief Bay helped him get his green card to stay mm-hmm. in this country. Tawo Duval 
and Olatunji met at an advertising agency because they were both working for that same company. Olatunji wanted to put some kind of music group together first, so the two of them merged. His real name was Thomas Duval. Tunji said, okay, Thomas is not going to work when we're trying to put an African company together. So let me change your name to Tawo, which means Thomas in the Yoruba language. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from there, uh, they went on, and uh, Tawo uh, introduced him to Chipe, Baba Femi, Stacey Edwards, Ralph Dawson, Pablo Langer, Sonny Morgan, and that was it. And that's when Drums of Passion came about. And then after that, more Drums of Passion came about. So the history of the drum in African dancing and drumming actually started with the Ashiko drum first. And then it elevated to the conga and now to the djembe. That's that's very and interesting. In between all of that, then the Haitian drumming came about with Alphonse Simbert and Tiroro was the mm-hmm. one that actually brought Haitian drumming into play uh, to merge with the African dance and drumming here in this country. And Alphonse Simbert was also one of my teachers. I started studying with him when I was uh, fourteen. Okay. That was the most intense lesson I ever went through as a, as a student teacher because it was one-on-one, and I was with him for a whole year nonstop. Hmm. Yeah, it was real intense, okay? Uh, we met every Tuesday night in Harlem on 141st Street and Amsterdam Avenue at the um, Marcus Garvey Junior High School. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we would meet at 8 o'clock every night, and the class went for two hours. And I mean literally two hours nonstop. It was just me and him. So, you know, the drumming then, of course, back then, it, it means something to people today, but it meant more to us back then. Because there wasn't a whole lot of us playing, you know, during that time. Mm-hmm. as opposed to what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had other companies that came after that, which was Charles Moore's company, LaRafe's company. Uh, and Chief Bay had his own company at one time. Okay. Okay, and uh, Olatunji used to have these festivals at the Rockland Palace on 155th Street and 8th Avenue, and LaRafe's company was one of the companies that he would higher every year, and Chief Bass Company was the other one, and then, of course, Olatunji's company was the feature act, mm-hmm. you know, the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then Demi Zool had a festival out in um, Long Island City, and, again, he would use La Rock Bass Company and other companies to come and perform, and Demi Zool's company was the feature act. Mm-hmm. So the drumming, hey, man, it's, it, it's been here. It was live and kicking um, in the 60s and 70s, you know, really strong, those two decades, and that, those two eras. 
um, but it was actually starting to take off, like, from 40s on up, and then the 50s. And then, of course, Catherine Dunham had her own company, too, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, she well, had um, uh, Jolito Colazzo was one of her drummers at the time. Uh, Moses Mianis was another one, and Alphonse Simbel was the other one. Well, that's the wealth of history that you just shared with us, brother. You know, and and indeed, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, that you are a griot. You know, you are uh, a a a history um, keeper, as it were, of the drum and of our culture. And mm-hmm. it's important that that you are able to share this information because we cannot uh, lose it. We cannot have it be, uh, um, you know, un Un- unrecorded, as it were. No, no, no. No, this is something that, that we we have to notice. That's why I teach this in, in my classes at Duke every mm-hmm. year. No, you that's, know, that's, that's wonderful. So into history first before we even start playing. Uh-huh. The history but, is more important than playing because if, once you know the history, then your playing will be much better because now you have a better understanding or what it is you're playing, and why oh, you're Oh, yes. That makes a, a yeah. lot of sense. That's like mm-hmm. martial arts. You know, before you learn yeah, the right. moves, you get into the history and the intent. We have a yeah. guest, a caller, mm-hmm. that's just raised their hand. Uh, I'd like to invite them to speak with us. Uh, hello, area code 678. You're on the air. How are you? Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for um, for tuning into the show. Oh, may I have your first name, please? Thank you very much for allowing me to call. Um, my name is Ruben Santiago, and I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. So it's my, my pleasure, man. Ruben. Brother Bradley. That's my brother. Have... That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Bradley and I go back about 40 years. And oh, wow. I, would, I would just like to take this opportunity to ask two questions. One, I already know the answer to, which is there's an intense history that you share uh, about all the different types of drums, uh, the origin, uh, the intensity, the intensity and the training, the history, and all of that that goes involved with the different kinds of drums that that you play. Do you prefer one over the other, conga over djembe, That's my first question, and you can expound on that. My second question is this. You shared an intense history. Um, And as I look around at our youth today, I see them getting lost in contemporary music, hip-hop, rap, and all of this. How do we get them back? How do we get them back to um, grasp our history, grasp our roots, and grasp an appreciation for what the drum means and what it has played in our history and what it can do in our future. Okay, let me ask, let me ask the question number one first. Uh, because the conga drum was actually my first drum, and, and I teach djembe as well, and I love both drums equally, but the conga drum is the one that stands out in front because... That's the one that started it all here in this country, number one. And you, 
and the other side of that is that the Koma drum versus the djembe is two different. The drum has two different dexterities going with them. You cannot compete the two, compare the two because one, the ambiance of the djembe, of course, what gravitates people towards the djembe is the ambiance of the drum because of the way it sounds and how much how lively the drum is. But the Kona drum is more musical when you get into a more of a folkloric uh, contents of the drum itself. You know, by way of the Romans and the Wawankos uh, and rhythms like that from Cuba because it's more musical because of the intonation of the sound of the drums. The djembe is just as good, but it has a different... Uh, it's, on, it's in a classified set. Okay? As, you know, in terms of the uh, dexterity of each one of the, each of the drums. That's the answer to number one. Number two... Okay, about the youth, what has to happen with them in order to get them back in there is that, one, they have to learn to to study. They need to study uh, the instruments. They need to study the culture. They need to study the people. And, you know, uh, and then they can, then you can get them to come back to where, to the root of the matter, because right now they're out there in the ozone, and and by them being out there in the ozone, they kind of lost and they don't really get the full impact on what it is they're actually doing on the drum. You have to really know the history of the drum, or whatever drum they're playing, whether it be the djembe or the conga, because there is history. You know, there are histories to both drums. Each drum has their own historical moment. Okay. So to understand the drum, you have to understand the origin, you have to understand the people, and you have to understand the culture, whether you play in djembe or kunga. So it all starts in the lesson. If you don't study, you will not understand what's going on. You have to study. Now, I've noticed noticed that when you're teaching your students, you have a cross-cultural um, class of students. They're not all African American. They're not all white. They're mixed. And yeah. what do you do? You find that there is any kind of different appreciation or understanding um, because of their different cultural backgrounds, or do they actually absorb it and blend into our cultural background? Both. They um, they absorb it, you know, and they blend in because. When I get a student in my class, and if that student comes in as a freshman and he stays there all the way till he graduates, that means he's interested. That means I got his attention. Okay, because when I get them, sometimes you know, depending on how long they in, they there for at Duke, because sometimes they don't even realize that the class is even going on until maybe they come in as a, you know, until they either a sophomore or a junior. Okay, but sometimes I get them in as freshmen, and they'll stay there the whole four years. The whole entire not, four years. And, that's any, and that's anyone, black, white, you know, whatever, whoever walks in that door, you know, once I get their attention and they like what they see, they stay. They come back the following year. Because I've noticed um, in one of your classes 
that uh, what impressed me and what, what has stayed with me over the years since I've seen that particular class was you had, um, I think it was two Asian young ladies, mm-hmm. and they were very small. They didn't look like they could even hold the drum. They were so small. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but when they started to play and everybody got in the pocket, those young ladies anchored and held it like it was truly theirs. That was truly impressive, and that's kudos to you as an instructor because um, anybody can grab a drum and beat it, but to play it with the intensity that they've played it and the understanding and to hold that rhythm amongst all the other drums that are going on was a magnificent feat on your part, so I give you kudos as being an instructor. Thank you. You saw that on the video on Facebook? No, that was one of the shows that I went up to North Carolina to see. Oh, okay, that was back then. Okay, yeah. Now, what what happens, see, I get them for, you know, when I get them for, for the whole semester, the beginning of, of the semester, like, we start in August. So September and half of October is all lessons. From the middle of October to November is when we start to put the show together. So by then, they kind of at least have an idea of what it is they're playing. So they know they know how to play the basic bass tone and slap. If you can play the basic bass tones and slap, then we can make music out of this. The right. hardest thing to do is to get them to understand those three basic notes. Once you get them to understand those three basic notes, well, then the music part of it is easy. And if they come to class every week or every time we have a class, it makes it even easier because that way they don't forget from one week to the next. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep it, but you got to make the class interesting. So, you, you know, I tell them when they first walk in the door, I said, look, we're going to have fun with this here. It's not about being a professional musician when you come out is basically let's have fun, but in order to do that, you got to be here. If you're not here, I can't do nothing for you. But if you're here, we got something going on. So you got to give them some kind of incentive and say, okay, well, we got this concert coming up, uh, so in order to look good and sound good, you have to be here so we can get everything polished and intact. And that's how, you know, that's why the students, when they perform, they look good because they actually want to be there. And that, and that speaks to your ability to motivate them and also to be stern with them at times when they're not grasping it or they're not being serious about it. I noticed that uh, in that class when I was there, um, you, had a, you have a rapport, a natural rapport. And, brother, I can say that you are truly in your calling because there were times when it was fun and everybody was having fun, but there are times when you had to actually stop and in a very tactful way reprimand those that weren't grasping it, and within that few minutes of putting your foot down, so to speak, everybody lined up and fell back in the pocket, and then they ran with it. And that, was, to me, was impressive. That was something that came from you as an instructor, and that was very impressive. And I, and, and I, I wish there were more of you all over the country because – in Atlanta here, for example, there are few drum players that know actually how to play, 
Um, yeah. But people don't gravitate to them. But there are a lot of people who bang the drum, and you see them all over the place. Exactly. But they, see, what it is that um, when you learn how to play, you also need to learn how to teach. Okay, and teaching is the key to getting your students to be good at what they do. If you, a lot of people can play the drum. They can play anything, but they're not good teachers. That doesn't mean you can teach. You have to know how to teach. And, and Chief Bay, one of my teachers, told me, he said, the hardest thing to do is to teach discipline. Mm. Because when you start discipline, you know, disciplining uh, your students, they're either going to like you or they're not going to like you because they don't like to be disciplined, or they don't mind being disciplined because they know that the, dis- the disciplinary part of it is going to make them a better musician than what they were when they first walked in the door. Okay. So, it, you know, you got to kind of feel the students out to see how they're going to react to, to the way you're teaching them. And sometimes you got to be hard because if you don't, then they're going to take, take it lightly and you'll never be able to get anything done that you want to try to get done. Well, thank you, Brother Bradley, for giving me this time. Thank you for allowing me to be on, on, on radio with you. Uh, I just wish that we can clone you and put you in every city across this world so that we can have more <laughs> master drummers like you um, grasping our people back, grasping all the youth back, regardless of their culture, and giving them a firm foundation so that they can um, be disciplined not only in drumming, but in their lives. So thank you so much for this. I know you got other callers. Bradley, I hope to see you soon. God bless all of you. Thank you very much. Have a good one, man. Thanks for calling in. All right. Good to hear from you, yes. buddy. Yes, thank indeed. Uh, Brother Ruben, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, those are some very interesting and informative questions, uh, allowing uh, Brother Brad to really uh, take it up quite a few notches in terms of uh, the importance of the drum. Thank you again, Brother Ruben. And uh, please spread the word and come back again with us. Thank you. I will. Yes, yes. At this point, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be back momentarily. Uh, Please stay tuned. Uh, Brother Brad, are you with us? 
Yes, sir. Yes, so uh, that was a very interesting uh, ex exchange of, of, of thoughts that you had with Brother Ruben, and I just uh -huh. wanted to continue with that. I mean, what you mentioned earlier about the, the fact that, in, that it's about getting the interest of, of the potential student and for them to be able to focus. And uh, that's one of my intentions is, is to get the interest. Uh, going back some 30-plus years at my godson's um, school here in New York City, uh, they were having a fundraiser, and, and uh, Brother uh, Ozzie Davis, the, the, famous, the late famous actor Ozzie Davis, was the invited keynote speaker. And mm -hmm. when he spoke, it was just interesting, Brother, where he said he, he was not there to speak about his, uh, him and his wife, Ruby D about the history of acting and writing plays, Pearly Victorious and so forth, but he wanted to speak uh -huh. about the drum. And uh -huh. he said that he felt that every household of African descent should have a drum in the home, along That's with right. the piano, along with uh, any other instrument, the guitar, there should be a drum, and hopefully eventually a designated drummer to perform mm -hmm. at all at major events within the family, from the birth of a child to a birthday to the going home transition ceremony of someone who's passing on. So mm -hmm. uh, that stuck with me, and that was one of the main things that made me uh, want to learn how to play the djembe. Because yeah. when, when he made that speech, I was playing kunga. You know, I had a jazz band, and I was uh, playing kunga as a, as a leader, and mm -hmm. the band was just an average band. You know, we played at wedding receptions and, you know, very small gigs. But that was a very important gig in that uh, I was able to be given indirectly the marching orders to promote the, the African drum. So mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why I played at Obama's inauguration. Um, and those of you who would like to see me performing, um, at your inauguration, you can just go to YouTube and just key in Baba Wesley Gray and uh, the drum at Obama's inauguration. And you'll see quite a few YouTube uh, recordings of me, but there's one that would uh, indicate Obama's inauguration, and you can see 10 minutes of me playing as an impromptu drum circle that's made. And uh, at the end of the uh, recording, I'm on a bus with some activists from New Jersey, and we're going home. And I'm talking about what I'm sharing with you at this moment. So my wow. intent, my intent is to have, to be able to influence as much as I can with your assistance, Robert Brad, Bradley, and mm -hmm. those of you who guests who tune in to spread the word, to encourage all of us of African descent to to have a drum in the home. And then, with the drum being in the home, there can be a conversation amongst the elder or the educator or the one who has the knowledge of the history of Africa and of our culture and the rituals that we have incorporated uh, for thousands of years in, in sustaining a healthy uh, community and family. And I think that's going to be the beginning of us being able to um, go back from where we came, and that is to our African roots and to have a family structure that's healthy and constructive as opposed to being destructive. So I just wanted to share those thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And those are good points, man. Uh, you know, we again, like like uh, Baba Chief Bay said, we got to keep this thing alive. If not, it's going to die. And when, mm-hmm. when it dies, it's over with. Absolutely. You don't, you don't want that to happen at all. Well, I forgot to mention, I, I also have, I mentioned my website earlier, drumsofchange.com. I have a drum store and a bookstore on my website. Again, that's Drums uh-huh. of Change. And one can purchase drums from my site. And, uh, Brad, I'd like to speak with you later about that uh, in terms of uh, being able to uh, generate um, e-commerce through the Internet and selling of drums. And these drums mm-hmm. are from West Africa, from Ghana, from, uh, from Kenya, and I, I believe from, from, from a Senegal. So, again, mm-hmm. drumsofchange.com, they have drums priced as low as $29.00 per drum, including shipping and handling. And, of course, we encourage that you visit your local drum stores in your community, you know, uh, so that we can support uh, directly our brothers and sisters in Africa who make these drums and other instruments such as shekere and host of other African um, crafted instruments. Um, A question I have have for you, Brother uh, Baba, is uh, relative to... I know you, you, you performed with Chuck Davis, and actually you were the director of Chuck Davis' African-American Dance Ensemble. Could you share with us that history? Yeah, Chuck, um, his company has gotten started down here uh, in North North Carolina around, around 81, 82. Mm-hmm. Because Chuck, he used to live in New York. You know, he lived in New York for years. And he had his own dance company up there, uh, the Chuck Davis Dance Company. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, would come back and forth to um, Durham to uh, teach at the American Dance Festival down here, known as the ADF Festival. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, he, you know, picked up dances and uh, well, mostly dances down here uh, from different parts of the neighborhood in the area of Durham. And he he formed a company called the African American Dance Ensemble, in short, is AADE. Mm-hmm. So he's had that company, you know, since the early part of the '80s. Him and another drummer by the name of uh, Khalid Saleem, they both came down here together, um, and then they formed the company. And Chuck was teaching at North Carolina Central University, and he was also teaching here at Duke University. So mm-hmm. a lot of the students, a lot of his dances came out of either Central or in the neighborhood or from Duke, from the classes that he taught. And uh, so I came down here in 1993, and uh, and I came down to actually be, you know, in his company and to be his musical director at the time. And I stayed with uh, Chuck's company down here from 93 to 96. And then from 96, I went over and went into Duke. And then, you know, it went on from there. Um, and every now and then, I would still play with Chuck's company, uh, you know, when he needs extra drummers. But for the most part, my focus was, uh, you know, trying to develop the class at Duke because when I did get over here at Duke, the class was only supposed to last one semester. It was a trial run. And after that semester was over, it was supposed to end. And that was 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so each semester, you know, because at the end of each, at the end of that first semester, I had to do a performance because it was in the contract. Okay. So, so at the end, you know, when I did that performance with the students, other students came to see the show and they liked what they saw. Then the next thing I know, the class got bigger, and we had to um, add another section to the course, and uh, you know, to to keep the class going. Oh, okay. So that one class, the one class was getting too big, and I didn't have enough room to add more students in that class, so we had to get another class going. Then the following wow. after that, it got even bigger, and we had to add a third section to the class. And that was, and this is just on Genbei alone. We hadn't even started playing congas yet. Congas didn't come in until like two years later. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, the Afro-Cuban class didn't start until like two years, uh, 96, 97, nine, uh, yeah, 99 is when the Afro-Cuban class started. Uh-huh. Okay, and then that was the, the next section that came in. So we had to add a fourth section. And so so that's why I have the djembe class and now djembe ensemble and now the Afro-Cuban class. And so that's how the whole thing got started. And we're talking, remember, keep in mind that the class was only supposed to last one semester and go home. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it just kept growing and growing and growing. And here we are still going 17 years later. Well, just like Brother Ruman said, that's an attestment and kudos to, kudos to you in terms of your um, professionalism and expertise and, and just unique capacity to be able to teach and to connect mm-hmm. with, with, with other, other spirits, with other souls who uh, otherwise would not be, have an interest. So... Yeah, I, I applaud that. You know, uh, that's highly commendable on, on your end, my brother. Oh, thank you, thank you. But yes. and what you I know, did, man, was was I, you know, the way I teach is the way I was taught. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. And I'm actually giving my students the same way my teachers gave it to me. And, and I and think is, is is there an element of would you say the uncon to use an analogy, the aspect of unconditional love, uh, forgiveness, non-judgmental, you know, those are attributes that I think that a teacher needs to have. Indeed, a parent needs to have that, you know, and, and family members and friends. But I think that yeah. once you have a potential student that senses that from a teacher such as yourself, that you're not being judgmental, and that you're being empathetic, yeah. Um, yeah. Along well, with not being a pushover, now you're going to be a disciplinarian, but you're also oh, yeah, able yeah. to combine those those two nuances in terms of being able to uh, uh, to give as well as to take with regard right. to teaching. Right. So what you have to do is you have to develop some kind of allegiance. Uh, to your students. Mm-hmm. Once, my thing is, my allegiance to what I do is to my students first because those are the ones I'm dealing with. Okay? Absolutely. So you, have to, you have to show some kind of, uh, you know, care towards your students. And I have, check this out, man. I have one student that was 
literally almost impossible to, to work with because she could never get it. So, but I didn't give up on it. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I want to give you a private lesson free of charge. And we did it for two months. I said, just pick a day you want to, you know, come in, and it's just going to be me and you for one hour every time you come in. Mm-hmm. And I said, then I gave her an incentive. I said, I'm going to work with you one-on-one, and then I'm going to feature you in the concert. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So she said, okay, fine. We was going at it toe-to-toe every time we met, you know, nonstop. And when it came time for the concert to kick in, she had a solo spot. And so we playing, we playing, and we playing, and then we stopped, and it's, we moved her drum downstage, and we gave her the stage. By the time she finished her solo, she had gotten a standing ovation. We had to wait for the audience to calm down before we can go, go into the next piece. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. So, you see, that's the kind of allegiance that I have towards my students first. Okay, just to make sure. I said, I didn't have my fame and glory. I didn't did all the Broadway shows I'm going to do, all the off-Broadway shows, all the recordings, all the nightclubs, all the TV. I don't need that no more. Now it's time for me to give you what I know so that you can go out there and do the same thing. And that's how that went. And, and again, this is a, another student that came into the class as a freshman and stayed the whole four years until she graduated. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. What a story. You know, I, I, I wanted to share before I forget to interject um, the fact that the, the name of our program of the show is Grassroots Holistic Health. And the word health comes to mind when you just shared with me uh, that, that story, that anecdotal story about this young lady and the fact that at the beginning she was really difficult. And, yeah. you know, there was obviously perhaps maybe some issues that she was dealing with emotionally, if mm-hmm. not uh, dealing with self-esteem, uh, or if not, if not being able to focus, maybe having an attention deficit disorder of some nature, uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, just a host of things. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, you know, and and uh, but I, I have done enough reading in that area in terms in terms of self-help uh, books and and took a couple of courses, of course, in, in college. But um, and then of course, being at 70 years of age, you learn a thing or two about human behavior. And I think we all yeah. have that capacity as we grow and and learn. And we never stop learning, of course. And as we learn, no. we hopefully can teach. But um, mm-hmm. one of the things about the drum that I, I'm really curious about, and I know that, you know, we don't have enough time this evening to talk about that, so we can just really plant the seed, as it were. But mm-hmm. the advantages of playing the drum is not just coming from an entertainment perspective, but there's also, from a holistic perspective, uh, spiritual aspects, that come to four, you know, and then, of course, there's psychological and emotional benefits that come from playing the drum. 
Yeah. So I was wondering if you could touch upon that to some degree. Okay. I'll give you a, a case in point of something that happened uh, about five years ago. I uh, had a guest artist in town. Okay. And we went to a dance class down here and uh, an incident happened and it just really set me off. I'm not going to, you know, go into details on it, but an incident happened and I was just like done, you know, really done with the, the, the incident and even the person that even kind of generated the incident. Okay. And, uh, so I was, you know, after the class was over, and then I had to go teach a class right after that. And then when that was over, I was going to go home. So a friend of mine, he uh, had just become a priest, and his year was up uh, in the Yoruba, in, you know, the Yoruba Lukumi religion, and his year was up. And so the guest artist that I, was, that I brought down, he said, man, why don't you come by? you know, the house, so we, cause we're going to do this thing for uh, this guy. We're going to play for him. Just come on by and hang out. I said, all right. So I went over there because I was actually going to go home and just cool out. So mm-hmm. I went there, and he said, yeah, I need you to play for me. I said, okay. So we played. By me going there and playing for this guy, whatever that incident happened, it just, I played it out of me, okay? Mm-hmm. It just, the drum took it away, buried it, and I was fine from that point on when we finished playing. Mm-hmm. Because that, the power of the drum can do that to you. It can yes, take indeed. away anything that's, neg- anything that's negative on you or around you. The drum will delete it immediately. Mm-hmm. So on a spiritual note, yes, that's the kind of power that the drum has. So that's why, you know, it's probably why I've been playing this drum for 53 years, you know, and never stopped because there was times when I was ready to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And it, the drum just kept, you know, pulling me back in. It was almost like the Godfather movie. Just when I get out, it pulls me back in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the drum is like, oh, no, you're not going anywhere. Get over here. So, uh, you know, so that drum does have a healing healing power to it. So especially if you're dealing with it on a spiritual level. It's, it's like um, a meditation. That's, that's an thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it, say it again? I said it's like a meditation. Exactly is what it is a meditation. So a lot yes, of times, indeed. you know, I, I'm always playing my drum. Even here in the house, I'm always playing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll get up at four or five o'clock in the morning and just start playing. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. I don't play loud, you know. So I don't want to wake up nobody. But for you know, for the most, sometimes I'll get up at four or five, maybe six o'clock in the morning, and I grab that drum and then I'm gone. That's, you know, that's kind of like. Yeah, that just kind of gets my day. The, the thing that I'm aware of is that, you know, like here in New York City, this is the city of that never goes to sleep, as they say. And, of course, uh-huh. part of that is because people party and, and you know, deal, deal with certain intoxicants and what have you. And a lot of that, for the most part, 
is uh, self-medicating. I just noticed that uh, I think it's Ruben. He's on again, and he might have to. He might, might want to share some thoughts with us. So please hold on for a sec, Ruben. I'll definitely um, uh, push the button to have you come on. Uh, but I just wanted to share the thought that uh, many people who use drugs and alcohol for uh, self-medication and to relieve tension and stress could greatly benefit from uh, having a drum at home to play. And yeah. without the side effects, without the, the negative energy of using drugs, especially those which can be harmful uh, short-term as well as long-term. And that's one of the mm -hmm. other things that I have on my agenda is to use drums as an alternative uh, modality of uh, people being able to get in a state of relaxation and removal of stress, such as in big cities mm -hmm. like here in New York City. Um, but uh, that's something we're going to talk more about in future shows, if not the next show. I think we should concentrate on that. But let me just uh, click on for Brother Ruben. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for allowing me to come back in. I just wanted to uh, uh, piggyback on what Bradley was saying about the effects that drumming can have on an individual. Bradley, if you would talk about the young man that you took under your wing, whose mother basically turned him over to you, and you had a rite of passage ceremony many years ago, and how that young man has progressed with the drum through college. Oh, yeah. You, oh, you're talking about Atiba? Yes, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. His mother, <laughs> well, I was standing in the lobby uh, at the downtown here at the Jordan Watch Council. And um, his mother, I guess she, she knew who I was, and I had just arrived here in Durham at the time. And she came over to me because I, I actually seen this boy play, and he was like only nine years old at the time. So wow, this kid got some hands here. But he needs to really be, uh, you know, polished or, or fine-tuned. So his mother came over to me. She said, um, yeah, he's yours. I said, what do you mean he's mine? Wait a minute, I got three kids, uh, Day Day, Elijah, <laughs> BJ, you know, they up in New York. What you talking about? He's mine. That's your boy. No, he's yours. Take him, and I'll see you later. I said, okay. So he was standing there, and he, didn't, he was all confused. He didn't know what to do. He had his drum with him. I said, well, okay, grab your drum and come on. And I had him. You know, ever since he was nine years old, he started. He sat in my classes every day, and I just kept giving it to him because he was the best one out of everybody. And again, only nine, like nine, ten years old. I said, boy, this kid got some hands. So two years later, that rice of passage that you're talking about, um, we had we did a show at the Haytai, and we did this rice of passage with him, where all the drummers were going after him and, you know, giving him things to do on the stage. Uh, and we wasn't holding back. We was hit, he was hitting him with the hardest rhythms we could find for him that he had to mimic. You know, after we gave it to him, he had to play it. And he, this is the first time I had ever seen him sweat from playing because the kid never sweat. He was always playing and he'd stay dry the whole time. But that night he didn't. And uh, then he got sick. Because 
at the end of the show, he walked away with $400. He was just throwing so much money on the stage at him because he was that good. And so when he got sick, his mother called me up, bawling me out, talking about, what you doing with my son? Why he, he, He's all sick, and now he got a cold because you done made him sweat on stage. I said, I also I made him sweat, and he went home with, with $400. Now leave me alone. Go away. <laughs> Today, today, as we speak, this kid teaches at Guilford College. He's a professor at Guilford College right now. Wonderful, wonderful. What a, what a story, what a story. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I, we're about to end the show right now, and I wanted to allow uh, another person, uh, uh, Eric code 917, uh, you're on the air. We just have a few moments. Would you like to share some thoughts with us? Hello. 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 Yes, hello. No, this is not Eric. Uh, that name does not sound familiar to me. And I said we're on the air. I beg your pardon. I said we're on the air. I oh, didn't we're say Eric. on the air. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> I misunderstood you. Um, sure. This is Monique Thomas calling from New Jersey. How are you this evening, gentlemen? Uh, we're fine. Thank you yes, so much, yes. Monique, for calling in. Yeah, um, just wanted to, I'm just listening to the conversation, and I'm very inspired and very um, in awe of the greatness that is that is part of this conversation this evening. Um, Brother Bradley and I, now, I'm, I'm not a drummer at all. I'll just tell you that right now. But I, I enjoy the drum, and I respect the drum because of this brother. Um, Brother Bradley and I go back to when I was three. He went back to Atiba when he was nine. I go back to <laughs> with Bradley. I was three years old when I met Bradley. So when wow. I hear people say, well, oh, I've known Bradley for 40 years. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get that clear. But anyway, um, I know you don't have too much time, but like I said, I go back with Brother Bradley since I was three. And if I could just say on behalf of every dancer he ever played for, thank you for keeping the music right. Thank you for um, believing in the music and making it sound as beautiful as it does for every dance class, every performance, every recording that you've ever done. I need to say this publicly that I respect you, I adore you, and I think you are a true cultural treasure that people should not just pass up or sleep on. Um, the brilliance that comes from you, everybody needs to sit at your feet and learn from who's part, who says, I love this culture as much as I do or anyone else does. I think it's very necessary that this elder um, continues to spread the word, about this history because there are not enough of us, especially as dancers, there's not enough of us that don't that know this history and we we are also the beneficiaries of those who paved the way like like Brother Bradley has and we need to know that history as well. So I thank you, brother, for just dropping that knowledge. I mean you dropped a lot of knowledge tonight and there's a lot more, whether y'all think so or not. But oh, yeah. I just thank you for 
for just giving us the knowledge and not keeping the knowledge to yourself. You've always been one to share the knowledge, and I greatly respect that about you, and I just want to say that publicly. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you can't. Uh, you can't keep it to yourself. It don't do no, nobody any good. So that's <laughs> why you know, Chief Bay said always, you know, keep teaching, and you know, and teach anybody. He, I mean, if you have, if anybody has a CD, that's the first thing you want to hear him hear him say. He says, "I teach anybody, black, white, green, yellow, don't matter what color you are. I teach anybody." Wonderful. And he instilled that in all of us. Well, thank you so much for for uh, sharing that. And, and Sister Monique, uh, it's really a pleasure to have you uh, tune in this evening and to share those thoughts. And you, you just echoed uh, the, the sentiments that I had um, and have for um, for Barbara Bradley. Um, so again, please tune in again and spread the word. And I thank you so much for tuning in at the 11th hour and sharing those profound thoughts uh, with our brother. And to you, Brother Ruben, thank you for tuning in as well. And for all of you in the chat room and listening, and I just want to let you know also that uh, we have an archive uh, section on the website that you can um, listen to this show over again and share with others in your circle of influence to tune in. And if they do miss the show, they can always access the show through our archives. So, again, uh, unfortunately, this is uh, the end of the show. But, uh, Brother Bradley, I'd like to invite you on again. Uh, Hopefully, maybe perhaps next week we can talk about the possibilities of you coming on next week. Would that be possible? Yeah, uh, yeah, if it's around the same time. Now, you know where I'll be next week. I'll be up in Virginia. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, doing that MFA program. So, yeah, you can mm-hmm. call me up there. There's no problem. Great. Okay. So let's see if we can have a tentative date for, uh, let's say, next Tuesday, perhaps. You know. Um, okay. And the- well, let me, let's do this here. Uh, let me see what kind of schedule I'm going to have once I get there this weekend. Okay. So, okay. Uh, then, again, those those of you who uh, know about the show and, and have access to it on uh, the social networks such as Facebook, Please stay tuned for a indication and confirmation of the next time that Brad will be on. We don't want to uh, miss the, should I say, uh, have the energy dissipate, as it were. You know, we want to keep this energy up, and 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 hopefully this summer we can surge ahead with having our goal of having at at least 80 to 90 percent or more of our families from the African diaspora to have a drum in the home and to have a designated drummer to perform for all major events that happen within the family circle and within the village uh, of our communities. So again, thank you. And as always, we end the show by giving praise and homage modipe to the, the one most high God, our ancestors, to those of you uh, throughout the cyber world to my family, my lovely wife, my mother, my daughter and her family and siblings, and I bid thee peace, love, hetepu, alafia, assalamu alaikum, shalom, all my relations, until we meet again. Have a blessed evening and a prosperous week. Take care, Baba.
Well, I said, you too now. Take care.